We usually, um, we don't navigate life sometimes in the, maybe more often than sometimes in, in the healthiest of ways. It often takes a crisis before we wake up. Often things are going so poorly and we see all of the signs, right? Day after day after day, year after year after year, they accumulate. And then something happens. And the thing that we've been avoiding for so long, now it's a real problem. I'm speaking from experience because I have a condition called gout. And more often than not, when you hear that term, you think, oh, 18th century royalty. <laughs> you think that I walk around like Henry VIII with a big drumstick, and there's a big goblet of wine for me everywhere I look. But such isn't the case, it actually afflicts many, many um, quite healthy individuals and usually hits you at around 40 is the earliest onset of it. And I almost always know when it's coming. It's almost always um, a feeling in the leg that, that's unmistakably painful. And uh, it used to be that I could avoid it. It used to be that I would feel it and then I'd say, ah, it'll go away. It used to be that I would say, oh, my leg isn't really, it's not the gout, I must have sprained my ankle. Right, 12 times a year. <laughs> so three weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, I had maybe the worst gout attack of my life. Maybe one of the worst in the last six years, five years. And I literally could not stand. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't understand it. There was no standing happening at all. <laughs> I was basically walking around like Quasimodo, people were telling me. It was like this, it looked something like that. Of course, walking that way made the top of my leg also hurt. The back of my leg was where I had the gout, and the front of the leg was compensating. Before I knew it, I was a mess. It was messy. Not being able to walk and knowing that that is a direct result of ignoring symptoms, ignoring signs that were coming my way for years, pretty much sums up where we are this weekend. Pretty much where we are this weekend, because everybody, you know, this is a big weekend, right? Big weekend. Tomorrow night, we will um, begin what is for the Ashkenazim. Those of us who are from Ashkenazi stock is really the beginning of slichot, penitential prayers, prayers of reflection and of restoration, of readying ourselves for the high holidays. That, of course, will be with us, God willing, on Wednesday night. So this Saturday night, always the Shabbat before Rosh Hashanah is Slichot. It comes late at night, tomorrow evening, here at 9.30 will be the teaching, 11 o'clock will be Slichot. 9.30 will be the, the teaching, and then 10 uh, and 10.30 is the Slichot, thank you. And then of course, as you know, many of you, that Sunday morning in Mass, we will be joining together with thousands and thousands of other people who have come from near and far to participate in the biggest climate march in, in history. So I want to say, I want to say, first of all, a big yeshikoch, congratulations, and really, from the depths of my heart, 
I want to say to Carrie Gardner and to Rachel McLeff and to Ilana Bowman and to all of those volunteers who have made Ramamu's participation in this historic event happen. Without your passion, and I mean passion, without your perseverance and passion, we wouldn't have over 200 people, God willing, on Sunday showing up for this very, very uh, historic and some would say absolutely urgent, we should all say urgent event. Another thing is happening tomorrow. Every year on the Shabbat, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, or maybe on the Shabbat before Rosh Hashanah, we'll read the portion we'll read tomorrow morning. And because of the year, there'll be two portions read together. Nitzavim is tomorrow's reading. Nitzavim, you are standing here. And then next week portion is doubled up, and it's called Vayelech. You get that? Vayelech means, and they went. Taken together, if you ask somebody, what are we reading tomorrow morning in synagogue, they'll say, Nitzavim Vayelech, which means we're standing together and we're marching. Now, I don't know if they plan this. <laughs> I don't know, Michael, I don't know. I have no idea if people planned it, but let me tell you something. It works. It's very rare that literal words from the Torah can be lifted and say, this is what's happening tomorrow, today. Moses is addressing the Jewish people, and some say on the day of his death, the last day, Moses' last words, his peroration, he's saying to the people, You are all standing here today. And all of the commentators ask, No, what's the Chiddush? What's new about saying to people who are standing in front of you, All of you are standing here today. Now, if all of them had gout, I would hear it. That's a big deal. Abazor, you know what they say in the Mepharshim, the commentators say on this? All of you are standing here today. Why is that a big deal? Because in last week's Torah portion, in last week's reading, we ended last week's reading with the curses that would befall us and we don't live a life with value and connection to the source of life. We ended last week with curses. Many, many curses. And says the Midrash brought by Rashi, Midrash Agadah, Midrash Rabbah. Moses came to give them piyus, to say to them, listen, a lot of curses. But you're still standing better than you ever did. You're standing here. You're here. Floods, hurricanes, tidal waves, tsunamis, absolute carbon poisoning of our mother, the earth, oceans and rivers, forests, despoliated, all of this, all of this around us, within us at every moment, and we're still standing, which is a moment of gratitude. The urgency that we'll feel on Sunday should give way to, first, atem nitzavim, you're here. And thank God you're here because, thank God you're here because you can do something. Thank God you're here because those who aren't can't do anything. Thank God you're here because you can make a choice to make the world a better place for your children. Thank God, Moshe says, you could have been taken away with all of the curses. 
but you're standing here and you deserve to be here and you should be here and you have a responsibility now that you're here to say, Vayelech, what's next? Atem Nitzavim, Ayom Kochem, each and every one of you sitting here today, each and every one of us as consumers, as participants in this society, with all of its abundance and its blessings, Atem Nitzavim, the question of someone who is standing here is not just gratitude, but okay, thank you, and now what? So what's Vayelech, everybody? What does it mean to go? The entire parsha tomorrow will be about tshuva. Tshuva, which means to return seven times in the first chapter of tomorrow morning's reading, seven times that magical number in Judaism, seven times the word shav, vishavta, vishuv, shav, shav, shav. It's time to turn. It's time to turn around. It's time to turn to face. It's time to be together with the things that we have to face. We have to acknowledge the things that we have to come to terms with. And we have to come to terms with the lack of intimacy that we feel. The lack of intimacy we feel with our mother, the earth. The lack of intimacy we feel with our participation as part of this organismic thing called the universe. Thomas Berry, who wrote an absolutely must-read book that if you haven't yet read in your life, please read it. It's called Dream of the Earth. He writes, our relationship with the earth involves something more than pragmatic use, academic understanding, or aesthetic appreciation. A truly human intimacy with the earth and with the entire natural world is needed. Our children should be properly introduced to the world in which they live, to the trees and the grasses and the flowers, if they can find them here in Manhattan, to the birds and the insects. Such intimacy with the universe we find in all of the indigenous cultures. When a child is born, they say to the universe, the sun, the moon, the stars, every being is saying, into our midst has, a, has come a new life. Make its path smooth that it may reach the brow of the first hill. We are not separate from this thing that we are marching to save. We aren't marching for the earth. We are marching for ourselves. We are made of that stuff. And if we don't wake up, today you're standing here, but tomorrow you might not be. And so how do we do tshuva? And it's a very simple talk tonight, everybody. I, I'm thinking so much about Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Just, I'm in this with you. How do we turn? How do I turn? How do you turn? How do we do this thing? Which means to go on a journey of, of facing, of intimacy seeking, of into me you see, of opening, of vulnerability. One verse, and we'll finish with this. Behold, God says, Moshe says in God's name, the thing that I'm telling you is not far from you. It's very close. I had this week an opportunity that wasn't English, by the way. Just if you think that was English, that was not English. That was yeshivish mixed with something. I don't know what it was. I had this week an opportunity. I had an opportunity this week. <laughs> to meditate for the first time in like, I don't know, 
a year. And I don't mean like my davening where I daven. I talk about walking over to my friend Larry's house, and there was a room there and a cushion, and I sat down, and he rang a bell, and that was it. Like no schmoozing, no words, no liturgy, no text, no text messaging, no Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter, no Alibaba, and it's none of that. <laughs> I just sat down. And you know what I found, everybody? I found right there. I just stopped for a moment, and I could feel the intimacy that I needed with myself. It was almost like I was saying, oh, hi, uh, sorry to taking so long to meet you when you asked me. And it can take us a year, five years, a decade, a century, a millennia for us to stop, lashuv, to sit, right? Lashevet, to sit down, to return to feel the connection, the intimacy. How many of you here, recently or in memory, went out into nature and felt something shift as you came into nature? How many of you? How many of you have had what Martin Buper calls not an I-it relationship with nature, where you use nature, right? The mountain is there to ski on, or for coal, or for this, or for that. How many of you had an I-you, I-thou, an intimate moment with something in nature? Or you feel connected. How many people here feel that they've had a similar experience with themselves recently? It is near to you in your heart and in your mouth. So three things, three takeaways, everybody, from my dear friend Mark Nepo. And with this... I will close for the second time. <laughs> he says, when we are jarred into the feeling that precious life is here and it swiftly moves through us, we are overcome with an urgency not to waste another second. Now we feel the need to speed up and rush we grab what we can and fear that the fire of being alive will bring down the whole house. What we do next is a turning point in our lives. While such urgency is understandable, it is only by slowing down that time drops its movement. After all we go through, we are asked to lead a life of honest expression, which always begins with listening as a way to, one, remember what matters, two, to name what matters, and three, to voice what matters. To remember what matters, to name what matters, and then to give voice to what matters. So tomorrow morning, everybody, and tonight, or maybe tonight, and then tomorrow morning, tonight, tomorrow morning, try to remember what matters most. And practice it for one minute. What matters most? I sat with somebody this week who is someone in a million years you would never have thought that this person is lacking anything in his life. Very, very, very successful man. Sold his business, has retired. He sat with me and he said to me, told me a story about his, one of his children, his daughter, Hulo Alenu. Unfortunately, she hasn't been able to give birth to a child. And with tears streaming down his eyes, he said to me, I would give up everything I have. Everything. 
for her to be happy and for her to have a child. Everything. He remembered what matters most. He named it. He voiced it. All of you here today, you can't say you haven't been told. You can't say that the Torah is not speaking to you tomorrow morning, wherever you will be, east side, west side, north, south, America, some other place. The Torah is speaking to each and every one of us, 2014, and saying, on Moses' deathbed, it hasn't caught up with you yet, but it will. So appreciate it, get marching, and remember that you are intimately connected to this earth. Remember what matters. The word matter comes from mother, right? The earth. Remember what matters. Name it. And then, God willing, on Sunday, let's all voice it together. Let's voice it Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every single day. Because tshuva doesn't begin and end a week before Shoshana. We're returning all the time, right? 